0: The following is a presentation of Genesis. Genesis is a place where you are invited to begin, belong, and believe. To find out more, visit us on the web at GenesisTheJourney.com.
1: Okay, so, I Date, a series on relationships. Uh, This is our third week. Um, The first week, we looked at uh, a message is called Just Friends. And uh, just so there's no misunderstanding, there was a question raised, can guys and girls be friends? And um, yes, they can. Um, Obviously, they can. Uh, The question was not guys should not be friends with girls or vice versa. It was what does it really look like uh, to love and to honor your friend, uh, specifically your brother or your sister? And uh, one of the things that I said, and I'll say it again, uh, if you know uh, what makes it weird uh, for girls and guys hanging out, developing friendships, is if you're a guy and you know that a girl has feelings for you and likes you and uh, her heart at some level uh, is tied into you, tied into yours. Uh, the most, And yours is not. It's not reciprocated. Uh, well, it's not loving and honoring to her to be spending time with her because the more time you spend with her, um, the more her heart is getting engaged in yours. So it's wrong, it's mean uh, to do that to a girl. So, yeah, that's where girls and guys can't be friends because it's not loving and honoring to her. And girls, the same thing. If you know that a guy likes you, uh, but yet you're just spending time kind of doing the leading on thing, flirting thing, uh, that's, that's just mean, especially if you know you have no feelings for that guy. Um, so guys and girls can be friends, but it's in the context of loving one another and honoring one another. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, dating, not dating, and then dating again. And as you all learned, Kyla had relationship issues in our dating. (laughs) And we've been... (laughs) I love you. Um, I'll just stop right there. Um, And uh, we looked at what it was like to have God as the author of the relationship, not just a third wheel. Uh, Most relationships between guys and girls in the Christian arena, God is at best just a tack on. Uh, We tack God on to the relationship just to say, Hey, we feel pretty good God's in our relationship or around, but uh, it's just not good enough. God desires and calls us uh, to allow him to be the author of our relationship. Tonight, uh, I'm excited because the message is just titled, She Said Yes, and she did say yes almost 10 years ago, so yay for me. Um, But outside of, you know, uh, you're going to make many decisions in your lifetime, And uh, the most important decision, hands down, is what you do uh, in regards to your relationship with God. Uh, The decision to uh, begin a journey with God, the decision to follow uh, and give your life, your heart, uh, all of who you are over to God uh, in relationship with Jesus Christ, hands down is the most important decision you'll ever make. Uh, I believe, second to that, uh, is the decision who you uh, decide to spend the rest of this journey with, uh, i.e., who you get married to. And, um, you know, for many people, they don't really, especially in nowadays, they don't take that decision all that serious. Uh, And, I mean, the divorce rate's pretty crazy. It doesn't matter if you're Christian or non-Christian. Divorce rates are equal. Uh, Almost 55, 60% of marriages end in divorce. Uh, And so people are taking marriages kind of, when it's not going so well, you can just kind of tap out. You bail. It's done. It's not working for anymore. And uh, our hope is that um, that would not be the case within this community, is that when we talk about and decide who we're going to spend the rest of our lives with, we're doing just that. We are spending the rest of our life, we are committing to uh, someone else, and more importantly, committing to God uh, to journey with someone until I have no more breath uh, in my lungs. And so tonight we want to look at uh, what does it, how do you figure that out? Um, And we've got uh, a few things that uh, we want to share with you uh, before uh, he asks and before she uh, says yes. uh, There's some things uh, that you should know. Um, I remember when I was um, actually most of my life, I was uh, very fearful of marriage. Uh, And most guys kind of say that they're fearful of the commitment thing. I had no problem committing to someone or to one person. My biggest fear was not in the commitment. My biggest fear was in I have an incredible capacity to screw things up. (laughs) I do it a lot. And marriage was one of the things that I did not want to screw up and uh, because I'd seen so many marriages fail. i have seen so many marriages not work out. And I've seen the impact of marriages that didn't work out uh, and the impact that it has on those around them, whether it's kids. uh, I... I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm I'm guessing there's a lot of folks in here who come from broken homes. And you know that when a marriage doesn't work out, it's not just the, the spouse, husband, wife uh, that it impacts It impacts so many people. Um, and so my mindset was I am not going to get married. I'm not kidding. This was my mindset until God sends me literally a handwritten note from heaven saying this is the girl that you are to marry and this is when you're supposed to marry. I mean, I was so serious, I was so fearful of screwing up that I was like, God, you've got to make it that clear before I'm going to enter into this thing called marriage. Um, I love King Solomon's um, advice in Ecclesiastes here. He says this, uh, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Now, the beauty of that is if the verse just ended there, we could just smile and be like, wow, <laughs> yes, I want to enjoy life with the woman I love, spend my life with her. But Solomon, being the, the guy that Solomon is, goes on, and he says, Enjoy life with your wife whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you <laughs> under the sun. All your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life, and it's your toilsome labor under the sun.
0: He's a really uplifting guy.
1: Yes, very uplifting scripture verse. Uh, Maybe have that one memorized by next week. But choosing the one who you are going to spend your life with, it's a big decision. And uh, as I've been uh, thinking about this and looking uh, at God's story about people who uh, chose a spouse, chose uh, their wife, their husband, even some of the most godly people in scripture and God's story made some pretty bad decisions of who they were going to spend the rest of your life with. It might surprise you that King David, uh, who the scripture, God even attests this to King David, said, this guy is a man after my own heart. And this is what King David's wife thought of King David, of David, her husband. Uh, says this in First Chronicles. As the ark of the covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. I wonder how many times spouses, uh, uh, they have a hard time celebrating when their spouse celebrates. They have a hard time being joyful when their spouse is joyful. Because one spouse is utterly miserable, and it's their lot in life to have misery loves company, right? And what's hard here is she despised him in her heart. At her core, in her being, she despised her husband. Job is another guy. Job, in uh, the book uh, of Job, is described as a guy who was righteous, who was blameless, as a guy who walked with God, was in great relationship with God. And this is his wife in the book of Job. It says this, his wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. <laughs> That's his wife's counsel to him. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole story of Job, but uh, his world was literally turned upside down. I mean, it was awful. And his wife comes up to him in his moment of need, and rather than praying for him, encouraging him, uh, I don't know, just smiling at him, <laughs> she says, just curse God, and why don't you die too? <laughs> I mean, this is Job. He was a godly guy. What was Job thinking about this woman? Did, what happened? You know, if you know the story of Job, People always like his, his buddies, the book of Job, he's got three friends who are always accused of giving some really poor advice. Well, their advice looks like gospel, looks like great advice compared to the advice that his, his wife uh, passes along uh, to him. So, you know, and her advice, I don't know if you can tell in that, um, his wife did not love God. His wife did not even love him. Her message, curse God her message to him, and you should die too. And I just wonder how many marriages are out there right now uh, where there's someone in the relationship who just does not love God, and because they do not love God, they don't have a capacity uh, to love uh, their spouse. Um, so one of the questions I, we've been saying um, all along and uh, that I'll raise again tonight um, is this. Before you even consider Uh, Really dating, but obviously engagement and marriage is—is that spouse? Are they married to Christ? Are they married to God first? Meaning their heart is uh, God's alone. That's your first. That's that's the question that you have to answer. Uh, I don't believe David in his relationship with um, uh, Michael could say that. I don't believe Job in his relationship with his wife could probably say that. And these are godly people who did not make godly decisions. Our hope for you guys tonight as this community is that we would turn, uh, start to make some godly decisions um, about the one we're going to spend uh, the rest of our life with. Uh, a question If um, I sent you guys earlier this week, if you get the Genesis Weekly, is uh, how do I know if she's the one? And um, Man, I was so annoyed and so put off by uh, people who were married because they gave me the t- most... Awful, discouraging advice. I would come to someone and say, how do you know that she was the one? And they'd always look at me with these goofy eyes and be like, oh, you'll just know. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't. I've been dating her for five years, and I wouldn't ask you if I didn't know. <laughs> Please tell me there's more advice out there that says you'll just know <laughs> because I don't believe you do just know. There's more to it. And tonight, this is what Kyle and I want to get into, sharing some of our story uh, as well as God's story of how do you know uh, who God is calling you to spend uh, the rest of your life with.
0: So we wanted to give you some things to think about before he asks and before she says yes. And uh, I guess I'll talk to the before she says yes a little bit right here because I, um, I guess one of the questions that I think that uh, women ought to be asking before he asks you to marry Uh, to marry him, is whether or not he's been intentional in your dating relationship. I think that um, especially uh, when you're asked that question, if if you're going to enter into a marriage relationship with someone, but probably well before that, you need to be looking at your dating relationship and kind of on an ongoing basis and asking the question, is he being intentional? Is he pursuing you? Is he... um, Trying to win your heart. Is he going after you? Is he leading the relationship? And leading you somewhere, hopefully in a good direction, in a direction that would lead you closer to the Lord. Um, Last week I was sharing parts of our dating story. I'm sure it was more than most people want to hear. But um, you'll get more this week, so sorry. (laughs) But um, one of the big things that we talked about last week was just being intentional in dating. And um, so this week's message is talking about, it's called She Says Yes, She Said Yes, and it's referring to, you know, in a proposal. yes, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. It's referring to, you know, the marriage proposal. I said yes to that. But actually, I said yes even earlier to that to another question that Michael had asked me. Um, you know, our, our first attempt at dating um, when we were in college was not intentional. It was directionless. It was purposeless. But our second attempt um, was intentional. I had um, been overseas for a couple of years, and during that time, Michael and I were broken up. I was um, doing some missions work overseas, and I had only been back in the States for a few weeks, and we had been talking on the phone a little bit, and um, Michael's dad was uh, in charge of setting up a Promise Keepers conference in Cincinnati, so this huge conference, and they needed some volunteers. So Michael had called and asked if I would come down to Cincinnati to his parents' house and help volunteer with this uh, Promise Keepers conference. So this is, I think, one of the first times that we saw each other after we'd had this two-year period of being broken up. And um, so I went down and worked, the, helped volunteer with the conference, and we had a good weekend together. And it was obvious, you know, after just moments together, really, that we still cared about each other a lot, that we still, you know, I knew all along that I still liked him, but um, but that there was still something there. We were nothing at this point. We were just friends, for real. Um, but I was pretty guarded. I um, During the time that we had been broken up, God had taught me a lot about what a – God-honoring relationship, dating relationship ought to look like, and I was really afraid of us just falling back into old habits and old patterns, and so, um, I don't know, I felt like I was really guarded. I was really, um, I wanted to keep my guard up. I didn't want to let us fall into some relationship that was just going to be purposeless, directionless, one where I didn't know how he felt about me, where I was wondering all the time where what he was thinking and where he was going. Um, so one night after the conference was over, we went out to dinner. Michael and I went out to dinner, and of course, um, a few minutes into dinner, we got into a fight. And we drove home. Purple. I don't even remember now what the fight was over. But we drove back to his parents' house in pretty much silence the whole way. And so we get back to the house, and I'm just gonna storm off to my to the room I was staying in, and I had lots. I was gonna journal and tell, why do I even like this guy? And, you know, I'm getting all mad. It wasn't well, the
1: curse God, but it was the die part of it that. she <laughs> <just was gonna laughs>
0: Um, but we get back, and Michael realizes he's forgotten his shoes. Okay, we, I don't know how this happens. How some, why, who, who takes off their shoes at a restaurant, walks out to the car with no shoes on, drives home for 20 minutes, and then realizes they don't have their shoes? I don't know. I was so
1: a, consumed a with red flag or how something. she was doing. Yeah. Where she was at, my heart was. I couldn't think clearly.
0: So Mr. Barefoot had to drive back to the restaurant to get his shoes, and uh, in the meantime, I was upstairs, angry and mad. And um, so anyway, um, on his drive home, or not home, to the restaurant to get his shoes, he kept was listening to this song. It was uh, by a band called Audio Adrenaline. Are they even around anymore? I don't this know. is really dating us. Um, so Audio Adrenaline had this song called. Um, Walk the Water, I think it was called. or I don't know what the, it was called. But um, it was talking about Peter getting out of the boat, walking on the water, and keeping his eyes on Jesus. He could walk the water. And um, Michael kept listening to the song, and every time it would end, he felt prompted by the Lord to just listen to it again. So he's listening to it like six times and um, not really sure what God was doing. But by the end of that time, by the after he got his shoes, came back with his shoes, um, he felt like God was using that song to speak to him and to say, to him that that's what we needed to do in our relationship, that we needed to get out of the boat, that we needed to trust God with our relationship and take the risk, step out into the water and keep our eyes on God and and walk forward in this relationship. And so while I'm upstairs, you know, writing about how mad I am at him, he comes back in and uh, kneels down next to the bed where I was sitting and um, explained the story to me, told me about the things that he felt like God was putting on his heart, and we read the story, the account of Peter walking on the water in Matthew. I think it's Matthew 14. We were reading that. And um, anyway, after the end of that, he he asked me a pretty intentional question. He asked me if I would, uh, if I would consider becoming his girlfriend and giving our relationship. I love you. <laughs>
1: I just saw myself getting in trouble, so all I could say was I love you.
0: <laughs> so asked me to be his girlfriend and asked me if I would consider giving our relationship a real shot, like really um, trusting God, walking the water with him, and seeing if our relationship, if God had marriage in the plans for us. And um, this was kind of a big deal. This meant that I would be, I was living in Indianapolis at the time. It meant that I needed to move to Columbus so that we could be in the same city. And it meant for me um, giving up some plans that I was trying to move forward with about um, to be a missionary overseas. So it meant setting those things aside for a time. But I felt like God had prepared my heart for that, and I felt like I could say yes to that. And um, so that was really the first example of Michael being intentional in our dating relationship and setting a purpose and a direction. But he continued to do that throughout our dating relationship, from everything, from just being the one to initiate the phone calls or to initiate um, us spending time together, to initiate us spending time in prayer, reading God's Word or talking about the Lord or whatever. And I even remember um, while we were dating a time when he had a conversation with me basically asking me not to, not to do too much, you know, not to initiate too many phone calls or times together because he really wanted it to be clear that he was pursuing me. And he, if I didn't do those things and he wasn't, he would, it would, he would realize in the absence of us seeing each other that, um, wow, I'm not pursuing her like I need to be. So he, I just thought that was really neat that he had been intentional and asked me even to allow him and hold him accountable to doing that. So before he asks and before you say yes, I think that's a thing to look at. Is he being intentional? Is he pursuing you? Because I, when, we were, when we finally did get engaged, Michael had been intentional in our dating relationship, and I knew that that's what I could expect from him in our engagement and in our marriage together.
1: I realize as um, uh, we're sharing with you, there are some of you in here who are uh, maybe a few months away from actually being engaged. You're in a dating relationship where it's getting close. And so this conversation makes a whole lot of sense to you. Uh, and then there's some of you who might be thinking, wow, um, I, that's 10 years down the road, um, You know, maybe even longer. I have no idea. Uh, our hope in sharing before he asks and before she says yes is that there might be some things that you would remember, some of these things that would stick. Um, and if you're married, uh, which I know uh, there's probably at least 10 couples in here who are married, uh, our hope in for you, and you're like, we did the engagement. We are already in the marriage thing. Uh, keep in check as we're going through this. Are you still being intentional with your wife? Are you still pursuing her like she deserves to be pursued? Uh, and if you're honest, and if I'm honest, most husbands, myself uh, uh, included in that, are sloppy and lazy. We figure she's already got the ring on her finger. So the pursuit, the game, it's done. I don't need to do anything else. She said, yes. You know, uh, it, it, that's an unhealthy marriage. So I realize we're all over kind of different places right now in um, in relationships. And uh, so um, hopefully some of this will be helpful and you'll remember. So uh, is he being intentional? Uh, this is, I absolutely love this. I, I've uh, the weddings I've done, I've always uh, shared uh, this verse from Song of Solomon. It's Song of Solomon, verse chapter 5, verse 16. This is my lover, this is my friend. Before you ask and before you say yes, could you say that? As you look at the person that you are about to potentially, or not potentially, going to spend the rest of your life with, could you say, this is my lover and this is my friend? I can look at Kyle and absolutely say, this is my lover, this is my friend. She's been absolutely committed to me, and she has been uh, an incredible friend. There's no one else, no offense to anyone here, there's no one else I want to be with uh, other than her. Because she's my friend. And she's also my lover. And I know when we hear things like lover, that just means that's my sexual partner. She is the one who's committed to me, committed to my heart. And likewise for me, uh, being committed to her. So before you ask and before she says yes, ask yourself that question. The person you're about to enter into a lifelong conversation with, could, could you hold up to that? This is my lover. This is my friend. Um, marriage, extraordinary challenge uh, is for sure. Um, but what will make the difference of having a marriage that just kind of exists? Uh, and a marriage that thrives and is healthy is that so many couples could not they can 't stand up to that test this yeah, this is my lover, I guess, but we haven 't been friends in years or we 're friends, but the love thing left as soon as the honeymoon um, was over. Um, the problem in uh most dating uh, engagement uh, relationships is not that you don 't have relationships. It's that they're really just not that meaningful. And the question that you have to ask is the relationship that you're in, the relationship that you're pursuing, is it really that meaningful? Because if it's not meaningful now, it's not going to carry over into marriage where you all of a sudden have this meaningful uh, relationship. And because we're so desperate, we're so hungry to have a meaningful relationship, uh, we start, start having sex. We start getting physical. And the shortcut to finding intimacy or finding meaning in relationship is start getting physical with one another. You've lost the meaningfulness in the relationship, and so you're desperate to try to find that meaning and purpose again, and so you start having sex or you start getting uh, physical uh, with one another. Um, I heard a, a talk recently by Erwin um, McManus, um, a couple, actually it was a couple months ago, uh, they did a series on marriage and um, he was talking about this very thing, and one of the things that uh, he said of how we shortcut uh, intimacy, you know, we start having sex as a shortcut to intimacy, Um, he said uh, this. um, When we're basically just having sex and being physical, what we're really saying to your fiancé or to your boyfriend or girlfriend is, you know what? You're really great in bed, but you're really boring. So let's just do what we need to do in between the sheets, but you're really a boring person. Uh, There's no need for friendship. There's no need for conversation. In our search for meaning or meaningful relationships, um, we take shortcuts and look for that um, in uh, being physical. Um, If that's you, if you're in relationship right now, dating, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, I want to offer you a challenge. Uh, Don't be physical. I'd even encourage if you're married, take a week, take two weeks, stop having sex, stop fooling around. No physicalness in your relationship. And let the silence be a declaration that the intimacy uh, has been stagnated. When you stop being physical and you realize, you know what, we don't really have much to talk about. I remember when I made the worst decision Uh, In our dating, this was our bad dating relationship, is when I started engaging and being physical with Kyla. As soon as I allowed sexual sin into our relationship, I ruined the relationship because the relationship became about fooling around, uh, and there was no meaningfulness in our relationship anymore. We used to enjoy some of the most amazing conversations. We were talking about dreams, and, you know, uh, it was amazing conversations. But when we started fooling around, and I was the one who initiated that, um, uh, we lost that. We lost that intimacy through friendship before you ask. And before she says, yes, uh, song of Solomon, please remember that. Is this person my lover, but is it also my friend? Are
0: you do that
1: part? I don't know. I'm thinking about <laughs> other things right now.
0: Am I up next?
1: Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm up next. Larry Allen. Um, was my pastor and Kyla's pastor pretty much through our college years. And um, if um, uh, the question I was always asking is, how do you know if she is the one? And I got lame advice from everyone. And I went to my pastor, who knew me pretty well, and uh, knew Kyla, knew our relationship. And he just gave me advice that uh, really rocked my world. And it was the most amazing advice, and I've been able to pass it along to a lot of different guys especially. Um, And it's not only important for guys to hear this advice, but it's important for girls to hear this Mm -hmm. advice. And I said, Larry, I'm tired of the terrible answers of you'll just know. So, Larry, please tell me, how do I know? And he looked me straight in the eye and said, Michael, as soon as you find a girl that you have to run to keep up with, that's her. I feel like I'm the only emotional one in the room right now. So <laughs> what was amazing, as soon as he said that, I just felt like uh, God spoke from on high. Because as soon as he said, as soon as you find a girl that you have to run to keep up with. Now, I'm the guy. I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader. So it wasn't like this just to stay ahead of, but just to keep up with. I knew it was her. I knew the way that Kyla was loving God was serving, was loving and blessing other people, was encouraging the way she prayed, the way she studied God's word, the heart that she had for other people to come to know God. She made me look like a chump. And I knew if I was going to have any chance um, to keep up with her spiritually, I was going to have to sprint really hard. And that's the kind of girl I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, someone who would encourage me, someone who would sharpen me, someone who would make my walk with God better. And so I just encourage you, before you ask and before you say yes, is this person that you are about to enter into a lifelong conversation, a lifelong relationship, are you going to have to run to keep up with them? Or is it the kind of person that you're just going to have to kind of pull along? Remember, I think we talked about this last week, but don't date and don't engage potential. Don't look at that person and say, well, I think they've got the potential to one day run um, if, if they're not doing it now, it's a good chance, a very good chance, that they will not be like that uh, in the future. So do not date, do not engage someone who's got the potential to be running that you have to keep up with them. That was the best advice that I had ever heard uh, from uh, my pastor, Larry Allen. I'm excited to share that with you. Uh, another pastor, Tommy Nelson, uh, said it like this. You know, because you might be wondering, where are all the girls that I'm having to run to keep up with? Just know if you're a guy asking that question, some of the girls are thinking, where are all the guys (laughs) that, you know, are running in such this way? And uh, Tommy Nelson passed along uh, this advice, and he said this. Um, Where did he say that? He said, the best way to find your mate is to run toward the Lord as fast as you can, then grab the hand of the girl running next to you. Don't worry so much about where someone else's walk with God is. Just worry about yours. Let God shape, form, create in you uh, someone who is running hard after the Lord. And every once in a while, just take a look around you and see who's running right next to you. And it's a good chance if you're focused just on the Lord and you turn to the left or to the right, actually don't turn to the left or to the right. Look straight ahead and just see, wow, there's a girl out there who is, wow, I need to start working a bit harder in my faith. Running a little bit harder just to catch up to her. Um, I'm a big fan of marrying up. It has worked (laughs) really well for me. (laughs) So marry up, like Kyla. I put she said yes exclamation point because I was I thought she was going to say yes, but I mean the way she was loving God and walking with God, um, I had a lot of work to do. Uh, So guys, marry up. But then. Uh, Do not stop running. Run in such a way uh, to stay ahead. Am I still up? No. Okay. Um,
0: Another thing to think about before you ask and before she says yes is, um, I mean, Michael covered kind of for the guys. There are biblical rules established, and we're only going to just skim the surface of this. We're not really going to get into it a whole lot. But in the Bible, God gives specific commands to husbands and specific commands to wives, and they're different. God has really designed the marriage relationship for the man to be the leader, the initiator, the one setting the course, and the woman to follow and to support. Um, and this brings up all kinds of issues but that we won't get into tonight, but um, that's the way that God's designed it, and that's the way that it works best. So I guess to Mike, Michael was saying the advice um, for men is to look for a girl that you have to run to keep up with. And then what I was thinking for women is that you need to think... Through whether or not this this guy is someone that you can really follow, are you going to be able to follow his lead? Um, the Bible, you know, and there are a couple different verses, but the the Bible com- commands that husbands are to love their wives. That's the command to husbands to love their wives sacrificially, completely, to give, to lay down their whole life for their wife. And wives, we're not ever commanded to love our husbands. I think that's because God knew that that would be the easier uh, thing for us to do. the The command that god gives to women is to respect our husbands and to submit to them and submit is i know a word i mean i remember wrestling a lot with what does that mean i have to submit um but what essentially a big part of submitting is following following his lead um so before he asks him before you say yes you need to ask yourself the question is the man you're dating someone you can respect and submit to and follow do you trust him do you trust his walk with the lord and do you trust that he'll, he'll love you like Christ loved the church? It's sure a lot easier uh, to submit and follow to someone who is laying down their life for you, loving you that way. Um, if he's not, then you need to rethink getting married to him. If he's not somebody that you're going to be able to um, respect and to follow, then that means um, it's going to put your relationship with the Lord in jeopardy as well. Because God doesn't... Uh, God's command for us to respect and submit to our husband isn't conditional upon the husband's behavior. It's not if he loves you and lays down his whole life for you and you know does the dishes for you and gives you back rubs or whatever. It's not conditional upon his behavior. It's our, it's our response to the Lord. For me to be obedient to the Lord, I have to respect and submit to Michael. Um, so if it's going to be hard for you to respect and submit to and follow this man that, um, that you're dating, then you need to rethink getting married to Him. Because not only will it make for a uh, difficult marriage if you can't do those things, but it will also hinder your relationship with the Lord.
1: Hmm. Um, the last two, this is all under the banner, before you ask and before you say yes. Um, this is called the Baptist Principle, and um, meaning not as in like the Baptist denomination, like he's got to be a Baptist or something like that. <laughs> um, John the Baptist, and I really... I, Learn this from uh, reading some scripture as it related to John the Baptist. And um, go ahead, and I think we have that up on the screen. Uh, John chapter 3, um, verses uh, 29 through 30. Uh, that is my, the joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. And um, this is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. And the only thing you really need to know before Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist was the scene. He was the star. He was the show. The crowds were coming to see John the Baptist. They were coming to be baptized by him. They were coming to hear him preach. The guys were following him. He had his own disciples. But as soon as Jesus came on the show, on the scene, uh, John was not the show anymore. He was not the star. The light was not on him. And John's job, he testified to this, was he was to bring attention to the true light, the light of the world. And it says this, The joy is mine it's now complete. Jesus must become greater. I must become less. As I think about how that scripture verse relates to marriage, um, when I made the decision to ask Kyla uh, to spend the rest of her life with me, uh, I made a decision to say, you know what? I'm not going to be the show anymore. I'm not going to be the star. I'm going to decrease so that she might increase. I was playing golf with a guy. His name was um, uh, Jamie, and uh, he was going to be getting married to a good friend of ours. And... um, I remember when we were playing golf, we were talking. I was asking him a lot of questions about his engagement, how things were going. And he uh, just kind of said something out of the blue. And he was talking about marriage. You know, he's like, Yeah, marriage is 50 50. You know, I'm going to give some, and uh, she's going to give some, kind of meet in the middle. I'm like, That is stupid. And um, sometimes I don't hold back on people. (laughs) And uh, I was like, Are you serious? Marriage is 50 50? That equation, that's a terrible equation. He's like, What are you talking about? I said, Marriage is not 50 50. It's 100 0. You give and you expect nothing in return. The Bible uh, equates a marriage relationship to the marriage relationship that we have with Christ. We are Christ's bride. And can you imagine if the equation with Jesus was 50-50? I'm going to give you some and you give some. We'll see how it all works out in the middle. He gave 100% expecting nothing in return. If you are not ready to... Do the Baptist principle, meaning become less so that your spouse might become greater. If you are not willing to be the star, to be the center of your world. And by the way, I know Jesus is the center. Okay, But when you enter into a marriage relationship, it's not about me, it's about her. And what's amazing is if she is going to that same, uh, adhering to that same principle, what an amazing, healthy marriage relationship that's going to look like. When both people, both spouses have 100% and zero in return, that's an amazing marriage. So please remember the Baptist principle. If you are not ready to step aside and not be the star, not be the center, don't ask. And don't say yes to a person you know who is not willing to adhere to the Baptist principle. The second, uh, the, I don't even know what number one, but uh, the last one that we're going to cover in this uh, section of... Um, you know, before he asks and before you say yes, uh, is a pretty simple question. Do you hate sin? Now you might wonder, what on earth does that have to do with marriage? Well, I had no idea what sin had to do with marriage until I got married. I knew that my sin impacted my relationship with God, and I knew at some level sin had, you know, my sin had impact on other people. But man, I had no idea until I got married how much my sin impacted her first year of our marriage we've been married now almost 10 years was awful uh, it was hard maybe awful was a bit too strong right there honey i'm sorry <laughs> it was challenging
0: it was, it was definitely challenging
1: <laughs> but as i look back it was a lot of it was my sin i was not you know i was not doing the john the baptist principle i was still selfish and self-centered it was about me and when i was making decisions uh, sinful decisions, being disobedient to God and what God had for me. Man, my sin was killing her. And so, by the way, we should hate sin anyways. But I was uh, reading in James. This is James chapter 1. It says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desires conceived, It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. I realize that there's some of us who are just pregnant with sin, and we don't really care. We have sin in our life, but it's really not that big of a deal. Just know it is a big deal, because it's a big deal to God. But if you're not at a place where you absolutely hate sin, don't ask. And if you're at a place where you know that person does not hate sin, yourself included, don't say yes. That was a tough lesson we learned in our first uh, few years of marriage. And we're still working through that. Sin impacts your spouse in an incredible, uh, incredible way. Um, next thing that we share with you is uh, waiting on him and waiting on him. Does that make sense? So waiting on God and then girls waiting on him. Because some of you girls might be in relationships with guys. It's been like, okay, seriously, when is, when's the ring coming? Okay, maybe no one else is in that relationship. But I, um, I, I don't know the year on this, but uh, I went to spring. I was uh, in 96. Daytona in 1996. I went with a few buddies um, to, uh, to Daytona t- for spring break. And uh, I remember one night walking on the beach by myself, and I was just praying. I'd been dating Kyla for a few years. And one of the things that I had committed was I was not going to tell a girl that I loved her uh, until the next question that came out of my, or the next phrase that came out of my mouth was, Will you marry me? I was so tired of being you know, around people like, I love you, I love you. I'm like, oh, no, you don't, no, you don't. Um, and I was like, I don't want to be that person. And so for five-plus years, she never heard me say, I love you. Now, some of you girls might be like, why did you stick with him? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was my commitment. Uh, I wanted not just to hear her love with my words. I wanted her to be able to know that I loved her by the way I treated her. Uh, and I was not always perfect in that. But anyways, I was walking on the beach, and I just remember praying. And uh, it was an amazing moment on that beach because God just opened my heart and said, this is the girl I want you to love. And all I had with me was a piece of gum. And so I took out uh, and a pen. Who walks with a pen and a gum wrapper? But I do. <laughs> Guys who forget shoes in restaurants, I guess. Um, and I wrote down on the piece of, on this, uh, this gum wrapper, uh, Kyla, I just want you to know that I love you. And I signed I don't know, sometime in the spring of 1996. Uh, um, so God had revealed to me um, that Kyla was the one that I was to love. And I was so excited that she was the one that I was going to love. Uh, but the question now became, God, I know this is the one I'm going to love, but now when do I move forward with this? When do I you know, make the decision to basically put a, a, a ring uh, on her finger? And I was explaining to another friend, I'm not going to do anything. I know I love her. She hasn't heard me say that. I know uh, I love her, but I'm not going to put a ring on her finger until I get that handwritten note, that sign from God that says, now is the time. And my friend was like, oh, dude, you totally have to listen to this song. Uh, It's a song called uh, Waiting for Lightning. And he's like, that story you just uh, uh, shared is the story of the song. And the lyrics go like this. Waiting for lightning, a sign that it's time for a change. You're listening for thunder. And while he is quietly whispering your name, but the sign and the word have already been given, and now it's by faith we must look and we must listen instead of waiting for lightning. I was so waiting for lightning. I was so waiting for that big moment, that big sign in the sky. And as soon as I read the lyrics of that song, that was my sign. God said, stop waiting for lightning, you idiot. I've been (laughs) quietly whispering your name this whole time. You've just been thick in the head. Uh, and slow to hear what i 've been saying. I remember um, uh, Elijah, this is in First Kings um, uh, chapter 19. The Lord said, "Go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by." Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord, he wasn 't in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord, well he wasn 't in the earthquake, and after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord, he wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him in a whisper, What are you doing here, Elijah? That one night when God just spoke uh, to me and said, Stop waiting for lightning, uh, was this scripture right there. Michael, what are you doing in this place? This place really, uh, you're afraid. Why are you so afraid? I have been whispering, but you have not been listening. And I wonder if there's anyone here that's in that place. Fear has been the thing that's holding you back from pursuing God's plans, God's purpose, God's ways for you. You feel like you haven't been hearing his voice because you've been listening uh, or watching for the earthquakes and the fire and the wind, but God is whispering um, your name. One of the Funny things, I, I uh, hear this a lot. Um, you know, well, we're also just kind of waiting till it makes sense. And, you know, we're just trying to be practical and we're trying to finish a few things out and establish our careers and kind of save some money and blah, 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 blah. All I hear when people say that is we're just trying to be practical before we take this big step and decision. And I'm like, you know what? I can't find anything in Scripture that says to be practical. But I can not find plenty of Scripture that says live by faith. Live by faith. If God is initiating movement in your relationship, live by faith. Trust God that he will provide for all those practical things you're concerned about. I'm not saying be stupid and just go up to a girl tonight and be like, wow, God spoke to me tonight in this message and you're it. And if you don't say yes, you're not living by faith. You're being practical. Uh, I'm not suggesting that. But uh, God is speaking. We often are just, we need to learn how to listen.
0: Well, after about four months after we had started dating, um, this is our second round of dating, um, we got engaged. And it was September twenty seventh, 1997. It started out as a pretty normal Saturday. We did some laundry, watched Ohio State game. Uh, Ohio State won that day. Um, go Bucks! A sign of
1: good things to come that day. <laughs>
0: We played some golf, which was terrible. Um, I'm terrible at golf. And then we went to dinner at my favorite restaurant, which is Don Pablo's, and I just can't understand why they don't have those out here. Um, But anyway, and all through dinner, I mean, I remember dinner. He was totally watching. It's one of those places that has TVs, and he was watching TV the whole time. Like, we didn't talk at all. girls,
1: if you want to have meaningful conversations at restaurants, do not take guys out to dinner or don't allow a guy to take you out to dinner to a place that's got flat-screen TVs all over the wall.
0: This was 97. They probably weren't flat screens then, but well, yeah. we were old. Yes. But anyway, on the way home, um, he pulled the car over at this park that was by the Scioto River. And uh, we got out, and we went and sat on some rocks by the river. And I'm not thinking anything at this time. It just was a normal, you know, I'm still kind of like, he hasn't even talked to me. What's going on? And uh, we sat down by the river, and um we just started talking he was sharing some things with me about his relationship with the lord he pulled out a piece of paper he'd written recently written a commitment to the lord just about how he wanted to surrender his life and um you know just really run hard after the lord and had written it out and he shared that with me and then um he said you know i was looking today through my wallet and i found something else i wanted to share with you and he pulled out this extra gum wrapper and um and so I was like, oh, great, I have bad breath or something. He's giving me gum. <laughs> and so I noticed that there's nothing in It's perfectly put together, but there's nothing in it. So I take it out, and I open it, and I see the date you know, that he was referring to before, which was a year before, April of, um, well, almost a year, whatever, April of 96. This is September when we were getting engaged. And uh, so at, during that time, we were broken up when he had written that note on the beach. And so I open it, and it says... Um, Kyle, I just wanted you to know that I love you. And I'm reading these words because, as he said, he had never said, I love you. Um, I knew he cared for me. He'd even invented this this little word. It was our
1: word not to be made public.
0: (laughs) So I knew he low-viked me. That was the word. But I'm reading. I read on this that he, it says he loves me. And I was like, oh, my goodness, is that? I mean, I've never even seen him write those words. So I was freaking out I'm starting to cry and I thought wow this is the big this is why we're here at the river this is the big thing he's telling me he loves me this is amazing and I'm as I look up from crying he's down on his knee with the ring box and um, I'm like I think my words were like are you serious I I don't think I responded the best it caught me off guard so anyway he I'm watching him and he's telling me saying out loud that he loves me and it was like one of those you know like kung fu movies where the people's mouth move and the words don't go at the same it just was so weird (laughs) To see him telling me that he loved me, and I was so I'm crying, and he asked me to marry him. Yes, of course. I'm crying. We're crying. It was great. We get back in the car, and there's cards from both sets of parents. Um, The earlier in the week, Michael had driven over to Indianapolis and asked my dad um, for and my mom too for their blessing on our marriage, and um, so they, you know, both sets of parents had cards for us and stuff, and it was great. And um, uh, then he tells me that he's already picked out a date that it was uh, February 14th. So this is the end of September. So I'm like, four and a half months to plan a wedding. Like, I'm starting to get nervous. But February 14th, that's Valentine's Day. That's cute. That's great. Then he tells me he picked out a church, too. And um, guys, I don't recommend doing either of those two things. (laughs) Um, You have to understand something about girls, that most girls have been planning their weddings since they were, like, age eight. If you ask my daughter Riley, who's two, who she's going to marry, she'll tell you it's Jason Bonham. But, um... So you don't usually start out the, by planning things for her. That's just a word. But it did work out well. The church he chose was beautiful, and the date, you know, Valentine's Day, he, we can never forget our engagement. So, so that began our whirlwind engagement, which was very quick. Um, but, we, you know, we spent the, uh, the next day, we spent the whole day together. We were, went to church and, you know, told everyone the story, everyone who was listening or not. I don't know. I just kept telling the story and showing people my ring and all that. And we came home that night. Uh, He was dropping me off at my house, and I ran inside. I had something I needed to give him, and uh, um, a couple of years—well, several years earlier—I'd been to Rome, Rome, Italy. You know, Rome, that Rome, not like there's a Rome, Ohio. It wasn't that one. And um, I went to Rome and went to the Trevi Fountain. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Trevi Fountain. The Trevi Fountain. And um, there's a legend with Trevi Fountain that if you make a wish, throw a coin over your shoulder, you make a wish at Trevi Fountain, two things will happen. One is that um, you will return to Rome again someday, and the second one is that your um, wish will come true. So um, that was my freshman year in college, the first time I was there. And the second time I ended up in Rome totally unexpectedly was – right before i'd come back from albania so while michael and i were broken up and so i bought this postcard while i was there and i wrote this to michael in uh, march of 97 and it says michael this is my second time in rome and my second time to visit the trevi fountain supposedly if you stand by the fountain throw a coin over your shoulder and make a wish before it hits the water it'll come true well the first time was in the summer of 92 before i was a christian and i wished that you and i would be together forever Yesterday, I stood at the Trevi Fountain without having that wish realized, but once again, I threw a coin over my shoulder, but this time, I made a prayer, that if it be God's will, that we could be together. At this moment, it seems uncertain, and maybe even unlikely, since I feel God calling me to overseas missions, and he would just taken a job at a church in Ohio, um, but if you ever read this card, I'll know my wish and my prayer had come true, and so I gave him that um, that night, and I just share that part with you, because I think it's a cool story, and The thing I think is cool is that. That's us when we got engaged. Um, You think his hair was long then. We have more pictures of that. Um, But I just share that with you because despite all the mistakes that Michael and I made, God was so gracious to us and um, just blessed us in amazing ways. I kept thinking of. I keep thinking about the psalm. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And on the day that Michael asked me to marry him, a million billion, um, as my kids say, they always say a million billion, a million billion prayers were answered. I mean, I had prayed to God so many times that we would get married, and now it was really happening. And um, it was just proof to me just of God's goodness and that he, um, he knows our hearts, and he does desire to give us good things. Um.
1: Our time is uh, come and gone, and uh, we had uh, a few last things that we're going to share with you. That uh, can I see her. Um, the the last uh, few things uh, she said yes. Now what is a pretty important uh, stuff that uh, we're not going to be able to share with you tonight, um, but some of those are pretty self explanatory. Of uh, seek out premarital counseling, uh, or even pre engagement counseling, uh, to work through some of the things like expectations. Expectations are huge because unmet expectations cause a lot of anger and bitterness in relationships. Uh, the last, the next one was uh, learn to communicate and learn to fight well. There's a lot of marriage uh, people who don't know how to talk to each other, and uh, they absolutely suck at fighting, and they're mean when they fight. Uh, fighting should be to reconcile and to restore, not to tear down uh, or to tear apart, and uh, that's what happens in a lot of marriages is they don't know how to fight, and they fight unfair and they fight very poorly. And it's not a surprise that so many marriages end in divorce because they don't know how to communicate and uh, they don't know how to fight. Um, And then pursue purity. Um, We're going to talk a little bit more about purity um, in the he said, she said uh, two weeks from now. But uh, real quick, I wanted to ask Kyla to uh, uh, just briefly share a story of the last point. Um, Be willing to walk away. Uh, One of the hardest things that we've ever... I don't know why... (laughs) um is you know when you get to that point where you are engaged and you feel like god is was in this and is he's initiated the the movement to to ask her and she said yes one of the most difficult decisions uh to be made is to walk away uh when something comes up in engagement or something happens where god is signaling some movement and um it's time to walk away. So just real briefly. Um.
0: We've had a couple of friends who have, we have watched get married, um, and even during their engagement they had friends and family urging them to reconsider and to think, think it over. But things were too far along. They'd already bought wedding dresses. And, you know, even standing at the aisle ready to walk down, and their father's asking them, Would you, we don't have to walk down this aisle. But because of the wedding plans that were made, they continued with it. And, now, and then they are now suffering the consequences of horrible marriages. And so, but we do have a one friend, her name is Janelle, who made the most courageous decision. She had been engaged to this guy, and during their engagement, they had a pretty quick dating relationship and uh, quickly got engaged. And during their dating relationship, some red flags came up. And I think the major ones were her parents uh, talking to her and then some close friends talking to her and saying, you know, I see these things that aren't good about this relationship. Please reconsider. And about, I think, a week before the wedding, she set aside a whole day where she went off by herself and really just prayed and spent time with the Lord and just asked God to speak to her. And at the end of that day, she felt like she was not supposed to marry this guy. This is one week from the wedding. She's already had showers and she's all, all these things. Um, but she, made, she broke it off, and she uh, made all the phone calls to try to notify everybody that the wedding was off and all these things I had to. I had to go over the day and post a sign on the door of the church. Even some people came that day who didn't get the message. But um, with all that said, you know, wedding dresses can be sold on eBay, and gifts can be returned. But she made the most courageous decision, that she, she knew it was not right, it was not from the Lord, and she was not married yet. It is not too late until you say, I do. And so she has spared herself a lifetime of trouble. Because, yes, it was a hard, hard period, and people were upset, and she felt bad, and her parents spent a lot of money. But, um, you know, this is, m- who you're going to marry is the most, next to choosing um, to choosing Christ, this is the most important decision, choosing your spouse. So um, just wanted to throw that out there, that it's not too late until you say, I do.
1: Hey, let's um, just close with some prayer and um we hope that uh, some of this might uh, stick, and even if you're years away from uh, asking and years away from saying yes, that uh, you will remember just a few of the things that were shared tonight. And um, I just I, I feel like I've said this before. I just marriage is a blast. It's such a joy. It's such a joy. Um, just the reality is, there's not many marriages experiencing the joy and the blessing. That's a gift from God, and uh, they're not experiencing the blessing and the gift and the joy because they dated poorly, they missed the whole friendship thing, they dated poorly, they did engagement poorly, and now, as a consequence, they're doing marriage poorly. Uh, our hope is that you do the friendship friendship thing really well, that you do the dating thing really well, and engagement would just be nothing but uh, an absolute joy. Um, so let me uh, pray. God, you are, uh, as we've been saying tonight, um, you're awesome, you are good, you are gracious, you are kind. God, thank you for the gift of relationship with you. Thank you that uh, you also give us the gift of being in relationship uh, with one another. Father, I just pray that if there's uh, anyone in here um, who's in that dating relationship and uh, they are asking the questions, is uh, he the one, is she the one? God, I pray that you would make clear um, to those people um, if that's from you and that you would uh, uh, allow those people who are asking those questions to hear your voice. Even if it's a whisper, even if it's a whisper, Father, I pray for um, those who are are already engaged. Um, Father, I pray that they would just be experiencing the blessing and the joy of being engaged and being um, just taking that one next step closer uh, to saying "I do." Um, and Father, there's people in here who are married. Uh, God, I pray that these the marriages uh, in here would not be marriages that are just existing. Mm-hmm. God, protect us from marriages that just exist. Um, God, I pray that our marriages in here would be marriages that would be alive, would absolutely be alive and thriving, and there would be joy, and there would be passion and there would be excitement. And, um, God, help us to have those types of marriages uh, that really are a reflection of you in our lives. And Father, to those who are just uh, single, uh, God, I pray in singleness uh, we would run, and we would run hard we would run hard after you that our eyes would not be on our circumstance or situation of uh, where's my boyfriend where's my girlfriend Uh, but our eyes would be on where's my god and um, in our singleness we would be allowing you to shape and to form us into the men and women that you are calling us to be god we love you help us as a community uh, the genesis community to love you even more and to love the world in which we live in we pray that in jesus
0: name Amen. Genesis is a ministry of Hope Christian Church. We invite you to find out more by visiting our website at genesisthejourney.com.